Turn with me in your Bibles, please, to the book of Joel, chapter 2. I intended to continue the series this evening on psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, as I promised, but in the afternoon hours, the Lord began to speak to me, and He said, turn to Joel, chapter 2. I want you to preach from there tonight. So I said, yes, Lord. And I turned there, if you would turn, please, with me. And I heard him say these words. It's a different anointing tonight, so please pay attention. I heard him say these words. This message is for every member of your church, although not every member will hear it, because they're not all here and they're not all watching. He said, but I want you to send this message out by email as an attachment because I'm telling you, when God doesn't say that very often to me, but when he says to me, he changes the sermon many times, but when he says to me, this message is for every member of your church, although not every member will hear it because not everyone's watching. Isn't it sad that not everybody's watching because God intends for everybody to hear it live? But busy, busy, busy. Everyone's so busy. And then they get distracted and they don't hear what God wants them to hear. But because of his mercy, he'll, he'll, he'll have to just work with us and we'll send it and hopefully they'll listen to it by way of the email recording. And it's not long, but, but when God says it, Jenny, it's different. Amen. I mean, I know this already, but when God says it, oh boy. Uh, it's, it, it, ha- it carries some, something different on it. Amen. And so he said to me, turn, and I went and I started reading. And uh, I read it many times. And he said, there's a verse in there that I have for you, but he wouldn't tell me which one. And he often does that with me because he sometimes wants you to have a little bit of uh, uh, searching power. And he doesn't always give everything to you right away. So I read and, and I wasn't picking it up. And I read it again. And I read it again. And then my eyes fell upon verse 21, which it seemed like I almost was amnesi- like an amnesiac. Do you know what that means? Somebody that has no memory. And as I read it the third or fourth time, the Spirit of God jumped on the inside of me, and I remembered. Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. And I heard the whole, and my spirit jumped and I said, oh my goodness, Lord, that's what you said last year. That's what you, that's one of the things that we were confessing in 2020. Do you remember that? He's, uh, we started confessing that the Lord's about to do great things. And I guess we get away from it a little bit because so much happens, time passes, there's more emphases of the Holy Ghost and other scriptures. And we let, but I'm telling you, it was like I was reading it for the first time, Jenny, because it's like I, it was just totally gone from me. That's that, that phrase from last year. And I saw that and my spirit leapt and I heard the Holy Ghost say, I want you to tell the people to rejoice for the Lord is about to do great things. Now, I know that sounds, oh, yeah, we know that, Pastor Craig. But when the Lord says it, it carries different uh, power to it. It's not just me reading a scripture and going, isn't that nice? Isn't, isn't Jesus so sweet? And bluebirds are sweet too. And why don't I just tell everybody that God's going to do nice things? Because, of course, that's true. It's, it, it's not like that. When he says, I want this message is for your whole congregation, I know it's important. When he says you send it out by email because not all of them will be honorable enough to watch. And you all better pay attention because that's how he said it to me. Not all of them are honorable enough to watch. 
No, we got to just call it straight because I'm tired of patty caking around here. Uh, if, if the local church and if Jesus is primary in your life, then whatever you've got on Wednesday night, cancel it. And if that means you have to go to work and you can't change your shift, then when you get home, you watch it before you go to bed. Because otherwise you're showing the Lord, Father, these other things are more important to me than what you're saying in my life. And when you've got things that are more important to you, the Bible calls them idols. Anything that is more important than what God is saying. So your private time and devotion is more important than the gym or your extracurricular or your cooking class or your cleanup or anything. Your time with God privately does not get touched. Because if it does, whatever touched it is an idol. Well, I've got to go for my bike ride. Well, then that's an idol. If I were you, I'd burn the bike. Do you understand what I'm saying? You don't have to burn the bike, but if the bike is going to cause you to start backsliding, then you get rid of it. Jesus said, if your eye causes you to stumble, cut it out. It'd be better for you to enter into eternal life with one eye than it is to go into damnation with both eyes. Now, that's a pretty extreme statement, but what Jesus was trying to say is anything that stops you from going on with me, cut it out of your life. Do you understand? So uh, your private time with Jesus, no, nothing touches it. And your time with Jesus in his house when he's speaking to you through your pastor, through an office, in a corporate anointing, and words are coming out because God's not talking to you. He talks to me. He will talk to you, but he'll talk to me for the congregation in a prophetic tone because that's my role. And he's not, gonna, no matter how much you fast and pray, there's things he will never tell you because it's not supposed to come to you directly. The only way you'll get it is to submit to that office and say, I'm here, I'm listening to the foolishness of preaching, Paul said. I'm listening, Lord. I'm, I'm humble enough to receive it from some other human. And, when, and there's some things that only come that way. So you don't ever touch your private time with God and you don't ever touch your church time. Because if you do, you're dishonorable and idols are starting to creep into your life. Now that is a word for some of you watching live stream. You're watching this right now because you didn't watch tonight. And I'm just encouraging you. I'm asking you to please listen to me. Because the anointing is different tonight. It's, it's a different kind of anointing. It's not my pastoral anointing I'm under tonight. Okay? And I'm asking you to listen to me. Start being honorable. Start being honorable and put God first. Some of you, says the Lord, you wonder why things aren't going right in your life. But you seem to put everything else in front of God. And yet you wonder why. When you put God first, you can prove him and he has to make things work for you. But when everything else seems to come first, then you've got no right to claim it because you've got idols that block the power of God. And part of it is when the preacher is preaching from this pulpit, you need to stop what you're doing and you need to pay attention. And you will see that God will undertake for you in a more glorious way than he ever has. And some of you watching, you need a spank tonight because you just keep putting everything ahead of what God's saying through this pulpit and I know the Holy Ghost is tired of it he's fed up with it which is why he's that's aggression is on me I'm not like this normally but that aggression comes out of a different anointing because God's trying to shake your tree I'm telling you I'm so tired of people telling me things don't work in their life and I look at them but they don't tithe they don't obey they won't walk in love they don't come to church or when they do come it's once and then they listen to their unsaved spouse telling them not to come your spouse has no right to control you and you better pay attention young lady that's watching me I know your name but I won't say it you better pay attention any spouse that is unsaved that tries to bar you from the house of God, according to Corinthians, you have a right to divorce them. 
you are only to stay with an unsaved spouse as long as it, it, is, it is pleasing. They are pleased to be with you. And if you study the Greek, it means they are pleased for you to continue in your spirituality. And if they block your spirituality, you have a right to leave them. Not that you should. Not, I'm not telling you that you should. But I'm saying Jesus comes before your unsaved spouse. And you don't put them on the back burner, including church, because some scaredy cat unsaved spouse is afraid of COVID. Enough is enough. And if you don't take a stand for Jesus, there's going to be trouble coming your way. I'm not angry, Jenny. That's the anointing on me. That's not me. That's the anointing on me. I'm telling you. But people need to learn. You don't submit to your spouse before you, you submit to Jesus before you submit to your spouse. Do you understand? And these macho men that think that they're all that trying to tell their woman what to do, they need a good iron skillet on the side of their head. Now don't kill them because you'll go to prison. Just knock them out a couple times. Give them a Holy Ghost welt. I'm not, I'm not promoting domestic violence because God knows out there there are people that will accuse me and, and, and attack me. What I'm trying to say is that no human being has the right to dictate how you serve Jesus. I don't care if you're married to them or not. And if you know in your heart you're supposed to do something and your unsaved spouse says, no, you, I do not give you permission, you look right at him and say, I don't need your permission. That's it. Jesus is my husband before you are. And I will not let you dictate to me how I live my life or how I raise my children. Now, you're going to submit to me, mister, or there's going to be problems. And if that man's got any kind of brain sense to him, he'll realize what a good gift he has in you and he'll shut his big trap and leave you alone. I'm serious, Jenny. I'm telling you, God is fed up with this nonsense. He's fed up with it. These men controlling their, their Christian wives or those, or those women controlling their Christian husbands, but usually it's the other way around. Now, people may leave the church over that. You know what? I plumb don't care. I really don't. Because I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost was trying to rescue people. I'm not upset. I didn't even cross my mind. That never even crossed my mind. But I heard the Holy Ghost say, now you deal with that and you deal with it strong. So I'm, I'm just trying to help people. Amen. I'm trying to help people. Yeah. This, a lot of this marriage stuff can become bondage. We do yield to each other as heirs together in the grace of life. We yield to each other. But first we yield to Jesus. And if Jesus asks us to do this and she says not to do it, I don't listen to her. And if I say to her, don't do that. And Jesus said, do it. She don't listen to me and neither should she. And anybody that says otherwise doesn't know their Bibles. Because that's manipulation and control under the guise of marriage submission. And it's demonic. I'm serious about it. I'm serious. I've had doctor tell me. I've given doctor talk to me about stories. So you see that minister over there? Yeah, his previous wife told him he couldn't preach. So he said, doctor, what should I do? And I said, divorce her. Because if you don't, you'll die young. You won't fulfill the call of God in your life. And if a few tragic cases, they've had to leave their spouse, their believing spouse, because they were trying to stop them from fulfilling the call of God on their life. And it's better to do that and fulfill the call and live long than it is to stay with a spouse that tries to rob you of the plan of God for your life. And, 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 and you come into Jesus and he says, so I guess they were more important than me. God believes in the holy covenant of marriage. Don't get me wrong. But you don't ever let marriage come before Jesus. And some of our folks in our church are doing that. Anyway, Joel 2, he said, I want you to tell them rejoice for the Lord is about to do great things. And then he took me back. He says, now he gave me five points. 
Now, this is unusual because he gave me five points on Monday night at the prayer service for the youth. And it was from the same chapter. But he said, now, this, these five points are for the congregation at large. The other five points, which I'll repeat, are for the youth. Specifically about the youth. But he said, these five points is for everybody. And this is a word from the Lord for our congregation. I'm telling you. This is not just me telling, finding a nice verse. This is the Holy Ghost speaking. So I hope you're, I hope you're opened up your heart and you're listening. But I will remove far off from you the northern army and will drive him into the land barren, a land barren and desolate with his face toward the east sea and his hind apart toward the uttermost sea and his stink shall come up and his ill savor shall come up because he has done great things. Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice for the Lord will do great things. Be not afraid, ye beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness do spring, for the tree beareth her fruit, and the fig tree and the vine do yield their strength. Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. And the floors shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow with wine and oil. And then I stopped because the next verse, verse 25, was the first verse of what he said on Monday night. So he said, pause. He said, go back and read. And I read it again, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. And I read it again, and I read it again, and I read it again. Remember, he started with verse 21. He said, that verse that I gave you last year, there's, there's power in that verse, and the people have forgotten it. So tell them to start saying it again. The Lord's about to do great things. And then he said, this is for your congregation, and I want to tell them five things. Five things. Are you ready? Number one, he said, and listen to me, I, I, I'm trying to help you. He said, many have been under a great attack. I know I have. I know you have. I know these two have. And I know there's many in our church that are sick. Uh, we have hardly, we were unscathed with COVID for a long time, almost a year, or really a year from March to March, hardly any cases, just a handful, kind of count on one hand. And then in the last three weeks, there's just been a spike. And not everybody has COVID, but a lot of people with flus, a lot of people with colds, a lot of people with issues with other parts of their body that are not functioning right, with surgeries. We had one of our members of, in our church uh, pass away this last week. I mean, there's just been a lot, a lot, a lot of attack. And, and I, I've picked it up in my spirit because we've been under a barrage. Yeah, now, if you haven't been under a barrage, just keep smiling and say, thank God I made it through that and, and nothing touched me. I, I wish I was you. But I'm just telling you that there has been on many people in our church and God sees that. Not everybody's going through an attack, but some are and some are going through it grievous. Yeah. And I heard him say, number one, tell them, I'm, my power is removing that darkness that, arrayed, that is arrayed against you. What did he say? Verse 20, I'm going to remove from you that northern army. Now, of course, we're not just waiting for God to do it. We have to speak and command and bind, and then God will work with our words and his power. We can't push back demons, only his power can, but his power won't go into action if we don't command it because he needs our authority released. Because he said, I've given you the keys of authority. Whatever you bind, I'll bind. Whatever you loose, it will be done for you. I heard him say, number one, tell the people that are under attack that I'm going to remove, my power is going to deal with this attack. It's going to be pushed back from them. Now that, that, that is, that's a good thing. Number two, I heard him say, and tell them to not to fear for anything of themselves or anything that they own. Notice here it says, fear not. And then it says, verse 22, do not be afraid beasts of the field. The beast is what they owned. 
He said, tell them not to be afraid in, their, in themselves, not to be afraid for their children, not to be afraid for anything they own, for their jobs, for their finances, for their investments, nothing that is within your sphere of ownership. For them it was beasts. For us it's a bunch of things. Our houses, some of you are concerned you might lose it. Your cars, your health, your children, your marriage, whatever you own, do not be afraid. I heard him say, number one, I'm going to drive back this darkness. My power is working. It's working behind the scenes. You don't even know it, but it's already working. Number two, tell them not to be afraid for themselves or for anything that they own. They're going to be fine. Number three, I heard him say, and tell them to start saying more. I rejoice for the Lord is about to do great things for me. If you'll start saying it, God can perform it. If you'll start saying it, God can perform it. If you'll start saying it, God has the right to perform it. If you don't say it, he can't perform it. Whatever you say, you'll have. You decree a thing and it shall be according to your word. So start to say it. That's what he said, number three. And number four, now this is, I like the way he said this. This is how I heard him say it. He said, tell them, I've done what I've promised and I'm about to do more. And I said, but Lord, where do you get that from this verse? So I started studying it. And I always thought, I gave you the former rain moderately. I've always thought that meant, you know, like a little bit, like in moderation, you know, eat cheesecake in moderation. You know what I'm saying? Like he gave the former rain in moderation and he's going to give a deluge. That's actually not what it means in the Hebrew. The word moderately in the Hebrew is where you get the word righteousness from. It literally means, and so I started looking it up in other translations, which, which, which backed it up because the King James doesn't always explain it according to the original that well. But this word literally means I've given you the former rain uh, like I promised. It means I've given you the former rain in righteousness. That's literally the translation. I've given you rain in righteousness, meaning it was right for me to do this because I'm faithful. And because I'm faithful, because it's right, because I did it for righteousness sake, because I have to do what's right to give you the rain. In other words, I've given you my word and I've promised you something and I am faithful to keep my word. That's what it means if you study it. Can I read it to you? Since some of you I can tell don't believe me. Especially Victoria on the front row, she's shaking her head saying, Pastor, that's not what that means. (laughs) And it says here, uh, in, in, the King, in the Amplified Classic, be glad you children of Zion and rejoice in the Lord your God for he gives you the former or early rain in just measure and in righteousness. And he causes to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain as before. Now the, the New Living says it this way. Rejoice you people of Jerusalem, rejoice in the Lord your God for the rain he sends demonstrates his faithfulness. Once more the autumn rains will come as well as the rains of spring. He demonstrates, and that's what it means, because it's, it's from the root word where you get righteousness from. What God is saying is, I, it is right for me to give you the rain because I promised. And I am faithful to do what I promised. So when he said that to me, now it made sense to me, because I couldn't quite understand where he got that statement from that, from that verse. But then, then I understood. He said, tell them I've done what I've promised and I'm about to do more. Amen. What does he say? I've given you the former rain. What's already happened, in other words, what I've already done is what I promised. I'm faithful to keep my promise. But I'm about to give you latter rains, which is more. Are you you hearing me? Tell them, I've I've done what I've promised and I'm about to do more. My God. And And the last phrase, the fifth phrase, he said, 
uh, the, the verse was verse 24, and the floors shall be full of wheat, the vats shall overflow with wine and oil. And I heard him say, and tell him I'm about to bless him. Because this represents full wheat, vats overflowing, wine and oil. This speaks of abundance. This speaks of harvest. This speaks of increase. That's it. That's all I'm preaching other than yelling at people. But that wasn't me. That was the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, Jesus is getting tired of this nonsense. He is. He is. I don't want COVID to be a delineating mark in this church. But if people don't get in faith about it, it's going to separate them. Do you know that Canada is one of the worst in all the developed nations on the planet? We are one of the last ones. We are behind. Our government doesn't seem to know what they're doing. The vaccine rollout is behind. We are worse than almost every other developed nation. And we are considered one of the most fearful nations in the world. Did you know that? You talk about the states, half of the states don't even listen to it anymore. They've canceled the masks. The people are being vaccinated. They're going on with life as usual. People are flying. The CDC announced last Friday, if you've been vaccinated, you no longer have to quarantine. What does our people say last Friday? Whether you've been vaccinated or not, we're so afraid. You've got to stay 14 days in your house. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. But that is because we, our government is controlled by fearful men. I'm telling you, now I, I believe in wisdom and I believe in using wisdom and protecting the public because not all men have faith. So I'm not against mass. I'm not against the vaccination. I'm not against anything. But it's just to me, I'm telling you, the world is moving on and here we are mired in the COVID clay. And I know the, I know the cases are bad and I feel sorry for those people. I really do. But listen, we're not those people. I'm not those people. And don't you feel guilty if you got COVID recently in our church? Don't you feel guilty? Don't you let the devil beat you up and say, oh, what, what kind of faith do you got? Your pastor preaches so strong. Look at you. You're in bed. Don't you, don't you dare let the devil lie to you. You say you shut your mouth. I'm going from glory to glory to glory. And I know in part, I see in part, and I know in part. I'm doing the best I can with the part I've got. Devil, you shut up. It's not my, Listen. You don't, you don't be condemned and, self, and have self-hatred or, or, or down on yourself because something happened. You just stand your ground and say, Lord, I resist this and it will go and the healing power will come faster than anybody else around me. And then you meditate, meditate, meditate. Listen to me, I'm helping you. You meditate, meditate, meditate on the blood. The blood, the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood. Because if you meditate on the blood, you'll never be sick another day in your life. The problem is people don't meditate on the blood. They just hear about it. Sure. Or I should say they listen to it, but they don't hear it. Yeah. When you meditate on the blood and the blood is as real to you as your skin, sickness will never touch you again. Amen. And it might try like Dad Hagen said to latch itself upon you, but you say, get off me and it will leave you. Yeah. Right. Yes, sir. But people, they like the sermons on the blood, but they don't want to really live it. Right. Yes, this is not a sermon, Rosita. This is something when I open my eyes, the blood is before me. When I close my eyes to sleep, the blood is before me. I live a revelation of the blood, which is why I'm not sick, which is why I'm never going to be sick, which is why I went into the malaria zone and wasn't sick. Because the blood is powerful. It's powerful, Jenny. And before all this started, and I was getting in the doctor's office with, Quinn and, with, with Cole, actually, and little Caleb, and this lady. This is at the very beginning of COVID. This is before anything was shut down, and, and, but we heard about it. 
but we didn't really know much about it. And I thought it was a bit of a, it wasn't serious. Of course, it turned out to be very serious. And this lady is there and she's sweating and she's hacking and she's coughing. And I mean, now, I mean, everybody would attack her. Because, you know, back then there was no mask requirement and, and, and people didn't really know what was going on. And I, I, I'm thinking in the back of my mind, well, I, this COVID thing and she's, and she's there and she's, I mean, she's not covering her mouth. I mean, she's just spewing. And Caleb's just, she's where you are and Caleb's sitting here and I'm at the desk and she's on its chair there. And I heard, I, I just, I felt that fear grip me. My son's going to get COVID. My son's going to get sick. I, it's like a fear grip me, like a voice came to me. And in the natural, there is germs that are being spread at that exact moment. And you need to be wise that you have a brain, use your brain. So I moved him to the side of me like this, to the other side, to get her away, him away from the coffer. I wanted to say something, but I didn't. Now everybody would say something. Well, she wouldn't even be let in without the mask. So, you know, but now you see somebody sick, everybody's pouncing on them like they've committed the unpardonable sin. But I moved him to this side and I heard, now listen, judge this wisely. But I heard the Holy Ghost say, I heard him say it real loud. What are you doing? He was displeased. I said, Lord, I'm, I'm you know, because my mind is saying there's natural wisdom and there is natural wisdom. You don't tempt God or test God by putting yourself in harm's way. So there is a measure of truth to that, but, but it was not that natural wisdom he was rebuking me about because there's nothing wrong with moving your child away from germs. That's not what he was rebuking. You got to understand, you got to divide it rightly. He was not doing that. What he was rebuking was fear because I felt fear grip me. I did not move him out of a sense of fatherly wisdom. I moved him out of fear. And it was fear that Jesus was putting his finger on me. And he said, what are you doing? And in my mind, I'm justifying he's smarter than us. But I'm trying to be a lawyer and I'm trying to say, but Lord, there's natural wisdom. And he sees right through my hogwash. And he said, that's not why you did it. And you know, that's not why you did it. You did it because you're afraid. I'm telling you, I'll never forget that. Now, this is all happening inside me while I'm standing waiting for my turn at the doctor's office. And so under my breath, I said, Lord, I repent. And he said to me, he said, if you truly understood my blood, he said, nothing can touch your son. But you preach it, but you don't truly understand it. Because if you did, you wouldn't have done that in fear. Now, there's nothing wrong with moving your child away from harm. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is God was addressing the fear that I had, not the parental wisdom that I was exercising. There's nothing wrong with doing that, but don't do it out of fear. Because if you truly understand what has been provided for you, you can walk right into the midst of the bubonic plague and it will die on contact with your skin. But few people understand this. And even fewer people live it. And I know when I talk this way that it goes over the heads of most of the people in the congregation. But I'm still required to say it, whether you get it or not, I'm still required to preach it to you. Because there is a higher way than fear. There is a higher way than what the world, we are not the world. I feel sorry for them, but they are far from the covenants of promise. And that is why they struggle. Because if they were in the covenants of promise, they wouldn't struggle the same way. So we don't judge them. We just try to get them saved. But for all of you, all of you that are in the covenants of promise, we need to live higher. We need to live without fear. We need to live unafraid. Not, Not with no wisdom. There's wisdom. But wisdom is often a convenient disguise for fear. Oh, I got to use wisdom. No, that's fear. 
Now use wisdom, but check your heart when you use wisdom because most of it is a convenient disguise for fear. Use wisdom, but don't ever be afraid of anything. Nothing, nothing, no germ, no financial crisis, no stock market crash, nothing. We're, we're forbidden to be afraid in the Bible. It is the opposite flow of Jesus. It is the flow of the devil. Fear is the flow of the devil. Faith is the flow of the Lord. I heard him say, number one, tell them my power is going to push back this attack. Number two, tell them not to be afraid for themselves or anything they own. Number three, tell them to start saying, I rejoice. The Lord is about to do great things. Three things there. Are you, you got them? Praise God. Hallelujah. Number four, I heard him say, tell them I've done what I've promised and I'm about to do more. And number five, tell them I'm about to bless them. I heard those five things. And he said, you tell the congregation that because many of them are going through a great attack. Many of you are going through a great attack and the Holy Ghost is trying to save you. He's trying to encourage you. He's trying to help you tonight. Praise God. Jesus comes before our spouse. He comes before our job. He comes before anything because he's our savior. And if anything gets in my way to try to block me from my relationship with God, I will steamroll over it. I don't care if, listen, I've steamrolled over my father. I've lost relationships with friends. I'm telling you. And if she tried to stop me, I'd steamroll over her too. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to say Jesus is my first, my foremost. He's my chief. He's my savior. She didn't die for me. He died for me. I love her with an undying love and I will serve her and honor her the rest of my life. But if she tries to stop me from serving Jesus, she's, she, I'm not going to listen to her. I'm going to listen to him. And that includes coming to church. That includes being a part of the flow of services. That includes coming where God's speaking. So there's a, there's a rebuke. For some of you that are letting family members, whether it's spouses, parents, grandparents, whoever, that are controlling you and hindering your spiritual walk and putting the house of God first. Listen to me. I'm warning you. I'm warning you under the prophet's anointing tonight. I'm warning you. If you don't make it right and if you don't put it in the right place, that thing is going to try to separate you. Don't play games with the devil. He's smarter than you. He, he will go down if you obey the Holy Ghost. You follow his leading and you speak to him in faith. He has to go down. But if you yield to his devices, yeah. Bible says we are not ignorant of his devices. Good. And we've entered into a new room. We've entered into a new open door because this vision is starting to be cast. A new season has started and there are many adversaries. And there's many attacks with this, new, this thing that has just started in the spirit. There's many attacks. And the devil, if you are ignorant of his devices, he will try to separate you. Yeah. And the first thing he'll start to say, but you is getting you offended with me at what I preach tonight. Yeah. Well, who does he think he is? He doesn't know what he's talking about. See, that's the, seed, that's the seeds of the devil being planted in your heart when those were those thoughts. So answer those thoughts and say, no devil, my pastor loves me and he's not trying to hurt me. He's trying to help me. He's trying to rescue me because nobody comes first in my life, but my savior. Right. And nobody will dictate to me how I can and cannot live my Christian walk. Not even my spouse. I'm telling you, because I've sat in that counseling room too many times and I've heard too many ladies say to me, my unsaved husband says, I can't come to church. What do I do? And it's just like waving a red flag before, before a bull. I'm telling you, and I let him have it. And I don't normally preach this publicly. I normally keep it to the room, but I heard the Holy Ghost say, you say it publicly because some of you don't have time to counsel everybody privately. If they're pleased to live with you, you stay with the unsaved spouse. But if they try to stop your relationship with God, you tell them to stop it. 
And if they won't listen, you are permitted by God to leave the relationships. Not that you want to, not that you even would, because most spouses will yield when they know you mean business. But too many women are just, where's your backbone, woman? Have a backbone. Stand up for yourself. I'm serious. God didn't create women less. He didn't create women inferior. He didn't create women to be weak. God is not into the ditch of feminism and he's not into the ditch of weakness. He wants women. He created you equal with men. He created you with the same anointing, the same authority, and he expects you to follow him. I'm serious. Because some of these women, they got their wrong minds. Their minds are not renewed, Jenny, to what real submission to a husband means. And so whatever the man says, they abide by, and it violates the Bible, and then they wonder why their life goes nowhere. Or their children start getting into sin. And they start losing this, and they start losing that. Well, it, was, it would have been better if you listened to Jesus, not your spouse. If he's saying stuff against the word, and what does the word say? Get, don't, don't forsake the gathering. So any spouse that tries to stop you from coming, it's, it's against the word. And you better take a stand for it because you're going to open the door if you don't. Yeah. Now I'm done with that. I'm not saying anymore. If they didn't get it, I've said it three times. If they didn't get it, it's their problem, Jenny. I'm done. I don't want to keep going on that anymore. But you better, you better pay attention because this is not me speaking to you. This is God speaking to you through my mouth. And God's trying to rescue some of you. Yes, Hallelujah. What's the first thing, Taylor? He said, I'm going to push back that darkness. Tell them not to be afraid for them or anything they own. Tell them to start saying, I rejoice. The Lord's about to do great things. Tell them I've done what I've promised and I'm about to do more. Tell them I'm about to bless them big. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's for us. That's for all of us. Now for the youth specifically, since this is a kind of a partial youth service, he, I, I want to remind you what he said on Monday. And, we, and Reverend Taylor read it to you last night as well. But he said five things for the youth. Now this is if you have a young person, any, any age, claim it for them, but especially a grade six to 12, claim it for them. He said, I'm going to restore number one, what the devil has tried to steal, the loss. Remember, he started this thing. He said, there's been a loss Loss of ground, loss of innocence. He said, I'm going to restore. Because verse 25, let me read it to you. I will restore to you the years of the locusts have eaten and the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army, which I sent among you, which is not really, well, he didn't really send it to me. He permitted it to, to come. It wasn't from his heart to destroy. He permitted it because of their disobedience. And you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. And verse 27, and you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and none else and my people shall never be ashamed. Notice he says it twice. When he says it twice, he's saying, pay attention. Yes, it's, you might have missed it the first time, so I'm going to repeat it. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions and also upon my servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out of my spirit. And he said to me when we were in worship time, was it worship time? I guess it was, I can't remember when it was. Was it in worship time, Jenny, when he said that to me? I can't remember. But when, when on that Monday night, he said five things. He said, you, yeah, it was in worship time. It was because as soon as I lifted my hands immediately, he started speaking to me. And I said to the Lord, because it's very unusual. It doesn't happen that way with me very often. Normally I have to press. This time, as soon as I sang the first note, his voice came to me. As soon as I said the first note, his voice came to me. And he quoted me. He didn't make me look for it. Today, he made me look for it. But he quoted me, uh, verse 25. I heard his voice say, and I will restore to the youth of this church what the canker worm. And he quoted verse 25. And I said, in my mind, I said, 
Lord, normally, you know, it doesn't happen this quick and this easy. What, what, what's going on tonight? And he answered me. And I was, a, you know, I ask a lot of stupid questions. And I don't expect God to answer any of them because they, most of them are stupid. If you answer stupid questions, don't expect an answer. But I just ask away anyway because he understands me. So I didn't expect him to answer me. I said, why is it so easy tonight, Lord? I didn't expect it. And he did. He answered me. He said, I have been waiting to speak. What does he mean by that, Taylor? He put it in her heart, confirmed it in my heart to have a seven-day fast. We planned it. We talked about it. We've been rah, rah, rahing about it. And now the first night of that fast, the first service of that seven days, God saw we had obeyed Rosita. God saw we had positioned ourselves appropriately. And God, because of our obedience to his instruction, he was standing there waiting to speak. Why he didn't speak in the green room at home when I was praying, I don't know. But as soon as I sang the first chord of that song, he spoke. And I said, why is it so easy? Why is it so quick? He said, I'm, I've been waiting on you. First, first moment for, my, for me, you were singing before me, but first moment of my service time, he spoke instruction. He gave me five things right away. The first thing he said is, tell them, I will restore what the devil has lost, stolen from those young people. Now I'm standing on that because the devil has stolen some things from our young people. And I'm standing on that. I'm not game, playing games. I'm serious about this. He is going to restore it. Secondly, I heard him say, and I will deal wondrously with them. Meaning what is wondrously? It means wonders. It means signs, wonders. It means miracles. In other words, we could say God's going to do miracles in our young people. Miracles for them. I'm going to restore and I'm going to do miracles for them. And the third thing I heard him say is, and you will not be ashamed. And then he added the word disappointed. If you look it up in the Hebrew, it also means disappointed. And you will not be ashamed or disappointed in anything you have asked me for your youth. I heard him. Number four, I heard him say, for I will pour out my spirit on your youth, sons and daughters are youth, and they will prophesy, meaning they're going to say some things. Some of our young people need, are going to start to say some things by spontaneous, inspired utterance by the gift of prophecy. And then I heard, fifthly, I stopped there, and then later, later in the service, he rebuked me when we were praying in tongues, and he said, I told you five things, you only said four. I said, Lord, I'm sorry. He said, the fifth one is they shall see young, not old, young. That's our youth. Young people will see visions, and he said, the supernatural is going to operate in their lives. Yes, sir. Now, it now, visions is the gift of the discerning of spirits, but he wasn't limiting it only to the gift of the discerning of spirits. What he meant is there's going to see the supernatural is going to operate through them. That means tongues, interpretation of tongues. That means prophecy. That means the word of wisdom and word of knowledge. And yes, visions, the discerning of spirits. That means gift of faith, gift of working of miracles, and gifts of healings. All nine gifts are going to operate through our youth because it means the supernatural is going to start to operate through them. But he emphasized specifically visions. And he said to me, he said, some of them don't claim, you can't really, you, you know, you can't really pursue it because you can open the door to darkness if you pursue it. But you just say, Lord, I'm hungry for it and I'm open. If you want to author it, Holy Ghost, I'm not going to try to make something happen. But if you want to author it, Holy Ghost, I'm hungry for it. But I heard him say, some of your young people are going to see angels. Some of the young people are going to see Jesus. Some of the young people are going to even see demons and they're going to recognize the oppression and where the source and the root of these attacks are because they're going to see demons in the realm of the spirit, not because the devil appears to them, but because God supernaturally allows them to see. Do you understand? 
The devil can let people see him. He can manifest to them. That's not what we're after. We don't want the devil manifesting. We tell him to shut up and go. We want, but if God decides to operate through that ability to see into the realm of spirits and God shows them a demon that's from God, that's, that's okay. And some of them need to see the devil of perversion that's trying to harass them. Some of them need to see the devil of, of this racism that's trying to take society. Some of them are going to see it. You listening to me, boys? I'm telling you. It's going to happen with you. There's going to be visions. There's going to be seeing into the realm of spirits that God's going to let you see at, time, at different times because he said, and I claim it. In general, I claim it. Our young men will see visions when what? The spirit is outpoured. The spirit is being outpoured. Hallelujah. So the first thing he said is tell the young people, tell the parents, I'm going to restore what they've lost. Tell them I'm going to do miracles and I'm going to deal wondrously with them. Tell them, no, don't, you're never going to be ashamed or embarrassed or, or disappointed about what you believe me for with it, in regards to the young people. Number five, I'm going to pour out my spirit and they're going to say some things. They're going to preach and prophesy. And I'm going to pour out my spirit and they're going to see some things. They're going to have visions. The supernatural is going to operate in their lives. Now listen, Taylor, this is a word from God. This is not me. This is not me. This is God speaking through me. But it's as, it's as powerful as if Dad Hagen were to stand here or even better if Jesus were to stand here. It is that I am that 100% convinced that that is what God said. So I want you parents, if you're smart, show honor when God speaks. Write it out. Put one, two, three, four, five, and above it say, for my children. And start to say, Lord, I thank you that you restore everything. I thank you that you deal wondrously and name them. I thank you you deal, if it was Sandy, I thank you that you deal wondrously with Timothy, Gabriel, and Isaiah. I thank you that you do miracles for them. I thank you, Lord, that I will never be ashamed or disappointed regarding anything to do with their future, for you are working behind the scenes. Lord, I say you're pouring your spirit out on Gabriel, Isaiah, and Timothy. I say that they will say some things, and I say they will see some things. They will prophesy, and they will see visions, and the supernatural will be at work in their lives. Now, parents, if you will say it and believe it, God will honor you, and he will do it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Then write out another five things and say, for me or for my family in general, because those, those five are just for the youth. Yeah. Now say, for me, Lord, you're going to push back this attack. Yes. Yes. You're going to push it back. I will not be afraid for anything of me or what I own. I am not afraid. Lord, you told me not to be afraid, and I am not afraid. Amen. Praise God. I say the Lord is about to do great things. Yes, sir. I say it, and I believe it. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. He's pushing back the attack. We're not afraid. We're saying he's doing great things. He has done what he promised, and he's going to do more. And by the way, devil, I say, he said through Pastor Craig, he's about to bless me big time. That's overflowing and barns full. So I remind you, devil, that he's done what he promised and he's about to do more and he's about to bless my, me big time. Yes. Yes. And why don't you start saying that over yourself and saying that over your children? You got five points for you because you got five fingers. It helps you remember. If you're on number four, you forgot a digit. And you got five for your young people. Okay? You got five and five. I didn't plan on it five and five. That's just how it came out. But you got five and five. So make sure that you count all your fingers. And then you might want to say it again and count all your toes. And if you miss a toe, then you've missed something on the list. So go back and look. Because there's five for you as a family and there's five for your young people. 
And I'm telling you, if you, you, you may do this or you may not do this. It's depending on how hungry you are. But I'm telling you something. I'm, I'm, a, I'm like a starving man on a Christmas ham. Ever seen a starving man on a Christmas ham? You don't want to see that, Taylor. It's, a, it's an ugly sight. He rip into that Christmas ham like there ain't no tomorrow. I'm a starving man on a Christmas ham. I'm going to have it. If it happens for nobody else but me, it will happen for me because I am not letting it go. He is going to do this because he said it to me. He said it to me. He said it to me. Hallelujah. I wanted to preach in Psalm, Sims, and Spiritual Songs. I had my notes ready. Everything was done. And I just felt a grieving on the inside. And I know, what that, I know when that is, the Lord is saying, you got the wrong message. I said, but Lord, I already told them. She already made the graphic. We can't have Corinne make another graphic. That would be inappropriate. Lord, I already gave them my word. He don't care about none of that. He just was grieved. I was grieved. I said, Lord, what? He said, turn to Joel too. I want you to preach on something different tonight. So praise God. And then he said, now you call out your sons. This will be a day of new dawning for them. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And I stand my ground on that for you boys because I, I'm not just your natural father, I'm your spiritual father and I watch over you in the spirit and your calls are too important to God to be lost. Amen. So be careful with the many voices. Praise God. You need to write out, guys. Are you listening to me? I don't, don't want to wait for Jessica to do it because there's something about you showing interest. Remember Jesus walked down all those pastors? This is Pastor so-and-so, this is his wife, this is his town, this is his church, and he's not interested. Three out of a hundred and something pastors were interested. Boys, I want you to write out that prophecy. That means I've done it many times. You know how you do? You push play, then you push pause and you type. Then you push play, then you push pause and you type. And if you go back, then you have to go back five seconds, 10 seconds, 20 seconds. It'll do it again. And then after you've done it all, you press play and you read it as, as I'm saying it. And it's probably going to be a whole page long because it was fairly lengthy. And I want you to do that. Because it shows Jesus that you took it seriously and that you were interested. And I want you to put it on your, on your bedroom wall and I want you to read it every day. And I want you to get those books by Wigglesworth. I want you to read about Brother Butterfield. My God. Brother Butterfield had the nerve to die. And they had him on the casket on the platform. And Wigglesworth come up the aisle. And we, Brother Butterfield is in the casket. Are you listening, Quinn and Cole? He's in the casket. And he's a rigor mortis has already set in. That's what happens when they paint you up and you're dead. You're stiff. Right? And he comes and, and, and the pastor says, Reverend Wigglesworth will share some words. The place is full. It's in England. And he comes and the Holy Ghost came on him. The Holy Ghost, you better know the Holy Ghost if you're going to do this. I'm telling you. And so he takes Brother But He walks over to Brother Butterfield. He pulls him out of the casket and there was a chair. All the chairs on the platform were for the deacons and different things. And he was a deacon. In those old religious churches, the deacons would sit on the platform. And so, and his chair was empty. All the other deacons were there for the funeral. And he took him and stuffed him in his chair. And he said, you could hear the bones starting to crack because he's stiff as a board. And Wigglesworth is not going to let him stand in the chair. He literally molded him, pushed him, squeezed him into his chair. And, and the people were, uh, one lady, they said, passed out. She, literally, she passed out and fell in the aisle. She was so shocked at what she was seeing. You better know that God told you to do that because that's called desecration of the dead and that's punishable with time in prison. So you better know what you're talking about. My lawyer would know that. So I'm telling you, you don't, you don't play games with that. But when God comes on you, I guess things are different. And he stuffed him with the cracking and the this and the that into that chair and the lady passed out and there's, and there's all over there. And he walks back to the pulpit 
<laughs> oh my God. And he stands there, Cole, and he says, Brother Butterfield has a testimony for us. And he points his finger and the lightning of God came out of his finger and raised him from the dead sitting in the chair. And he opened his eyes and he stood up and started to move. And he came to the pulpit and said, I've been to heaven. I've seen Jesus. And he told the whole crowd what heaven looked like. And Wigglesworth just sat down. Now that's the anointing that you have a, that you have a part of, Quinny. Another time he was walking past the funeral home on his way to something else and he saw a man, you know, I guess the door was open he, and he saw the coffin there and the Holy Ghost said, go raise him up. So, so he went in, he took him out. The guy had left, the attendant had left, gone somewhere. The, the room was empty. He took the, the, the man out and he put him against the wall. He threw him against the wall like this, bang. And he said, come back. And then he let go and the man slumped down, still dead. He picked him up a second time and he threw him against the wall. He said, I said, come back. And he slumped down again. And Wigglesworth picked him up a third time and put him against the wall and said, in the name of Jesus, I command you, come back. And he opened his eyes and started to cough, raised from the dead in his suit that they were going to bury him in. I'm telling you, you better know God to do stuff like that. But Wigglesworth had that spirit of faith about him, Jenny. And boys, that's, that's what it's going to take in this end day revival. It's going to take some kind of amazing power to change these dark minds and these demonized people. It's not going to take a nice little preaching. It's not going to take a nice little nice sermon. Those days, I'm telling you, we need to preach. We never get away with not preaching. But it's going to take some dramatic power to turn the hearts of people. I'm serious. I'm serious. Because they already see measures of power. Remember that guy, I forget his name, Jenny. Uh, maybe Quinny, you remember, but he, he, he's the guy down in Vegas and he does those levitating acts. He's like Chris Angel. And I watched that. And they, and they had professional people there trying to see how he did it. They were looking to see if there were hidden wires and cords and all that. And right in front of 3,000 people out on the main street, he said, I'm going to levitate. And he just went up by, I mean, nothing is pulling him up. There's no magnets. There's no f funky stuff. And he just, in front of the whole, oh, 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 they're witnessing the power of demonic entities lifting him off that ground. I'm telling you, the devil, the devil is starting to uh, get out there and say, look what I can do. Look what I can do. And what's the best the church can do? Pastors having affairs with their secretaries. Stealing money. And preaching nice, sweet, Reader's Digest sermons. And then having nice, big, huge churches with secret-sensitive doctrine that you can do whatever you want, Jesus understands. He loves you the way you are. Well, he does love you the way you are. But if you don't change the way you are, you're never going to go on with him. If you live in that place, you're not going to go to heaven. And so there's all this weakness in the body of Christ. Yet the devil's out there. He's converting lots of people. And he's showing power. And here we are. We have the real power. We have Moses' staff which is the power to eat up the snakes of Pharaoh. But we won't cast our staff onto the ground. We just hold onto that staff. Some people don't even have the staff. The staff's in storage. We at least believe in our church that we have the staff. We took it out of storage, Jenny. But if we don't cast that down, if we don't expect it, if we don't activate it, if we don't release it, if we don't put God and say, Father, you must do this for us, then that, it's not going to turn into the power of God. It's not going to eat up the enemy's power. Praise God. Amen. Some sold their staff so that they could buy a new car. Right? I'm serious. We got the staff. Let's cast it to the ground. Hallelujah. I, I'm not in any way trying to embarrass my children. That is not my heart. That is never my heart. But, but the Holy Ghost had an appointment with them tonight. 
And now they're responsible for how they respond to that. And their futures will be determined by how they respond to that. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for, uh, hmm, I thank you for that unique and unusual flow of the Spirit. Not just with my children, but also with my spiritual children. Especially for those that are watching. I thank you, Lord, that you're helping them, that you're speaking to them, that you're convicting those that need to be convicted about uh, idols and about things that come before you and things that rob their time and voices that distract them. Lord, I thank you that we as the people of Promise of Life Church, Lord, we have many things in our life and all of them are fine as long as they're not sin and all of them have a right place. But Father, let us in Jesus' name make first things first. Make you first. Make your house first. Father, there's been a lie that's propagated for years in the body of Christ that the order of our lives is God, family, and then church. And that is a complete lie. It's God which includes the church and then family and then work. But Father, our family and and our children's extracurricular activities, which is all part of the family category, does not supersede the local church because Jesus, our relationship with you is both private and public. The private is our devotional time with you and our private time, and the public is our church time with you. We cannot separate you, Lord Jesus, from the local church because we are your body. You are the head, we are the body, and the church is the body of Christ. So how can we separate? the body from the head how can we separate the local church from Jesus we can't Lord Jesus our relationship with you and the church are on the same plane one is private and one is public but it comes first our family comes second and we don't ever not come to church because our family needs time with us because our relationship with you Jesus includes mating with your body and worshiping you corporately in the local church. So Lord, let the people renew their minds to the divine order of God in this. That you expect them to let nothing rob them of their time with you privately and their time with you corporately in the local church. And because of the restrictions, Lord, if they can't come, nothing should rob them watching because that is an act of honor. And then the family and everything else goes in its right order. And then they'll find, Lord, their children will operate better. The attacks will lessen. The blessing and the favor will start to manifest more fully because things are in the right order. When things are out of divine order, the pistons don't fire right. But when things are in the right order, the blessing starts to flow with unprecedented power. So, Father, let them catch this. Let them do this. Let them understand the divine order of God. Let them make nothing ahead of you and nothing ahead of the local church where where the word of God is preached under the anointing. And everything else comes second. All the correct, all the house chores, all the family time, all the work responsibilities, all of it comes after that. So I thank you, Lord, that you've rescued some and you've corrected some tonight. And I thank you for your anointing to make the correction land right. Holy Spirit, let your anointing be like sugar or honey on that correction. Let it go down easier. Lord, it's easier to swallow with with honey than vinegar. Holy Spirit, help them to receive and understand what the Spirit was saying tonight in the correction time earlier about spouses and also about in general people putting things before you and before church. Lord, let them receive it in the spirit with which the Holy Ghost meant it and I meant it. And I thank you that no offense will, will be birthed as a result that they'll receive the correction, they'll make the adjustment, and they'll rejoice because whom you love, the Bible says you correct. 
So Lord, you obviously love them a lot because you had some correction for some of them tonight. So I thank you that they receive it as mature, responsible, spiritual people. And Lord, the rest of it was a great encouragement to us. That Lord, you've said to us and we are going to memorize it and we're going to say it. Father, you've said to us that you're pushing back that attack. And that may mean different things for different people, but whatever they're going through, you're pushing it back. Father, you've said that you're pushing back that attack. Hallelujah. That we are not to be afraid for anything we have in our person or that we own. That we are to say you're about to do great things and we say it. That you've done what you promised and you're about to do more and you're about to bless us big time. Father, I get an agreement with you and I say it and I thank you it will come to pass. Lord, for our young people, I speak over them. Every, every one of those 50 teenagers from grade 6 to 12, every one of them, I speak over them in Jesus' name. That whatever has been lost will be restored in Jesus' name. I speak over them in Jesus' name that you will do wondrously in their life. Miracles will happen for them. I declare, Father, in the name of Jesus, that as parents, we will never be ashamed or embarrassed or disappointed in anything we've asked you regarding our children. It will all surely come to pass. And I thank you that you're pouring out the Holy Ghost on our young people and they're going to prophesy and say some things and they're going to see visions and see some things and the supernatural is going to work through them. And I give you praise for it. In Jesus' name. Now those angels that are present in this service, go in Jesus' name to effect and to cause to come to pass what I have said. Go in Jesus' name to influence the people with the correction that received that tonight. Go and influence those and encourage and strengthen and help and work and fight on behalf of and deliver those in that five-pronged word I gave for the congregation. And angels, go with every 50 young people and surround them and protect them and watch over the word that I've spoken as their pastor and cause it to come to pass. In Jesus' name. There was angels standing right here on my left and my right. I could feel them, a whole bunch of them. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, send them out to fulfill those words. So I sent them out and immediately they left. Thank God for the tangibility of the realm of the Spirit. I don't look for that. I don't try to make that happen, but I'm telling you, it's very real. Hallelujah. Praise God. Many times, Taylor, it's like I, I, I think you're a ninja because there's somebody standing right beside me. I mean, I can feel, their, I can feel the heat emanating off them. They're that close. And I'm thinking, what is Taylor doing? Why is he standing so close? And I'll turn like this, and there's nobody there. And I'll say, Lord, what is this? This is spooky. And he'll say, that's that angel, son, to do this. You know what it feels like when you got your eyes closed and somebody comes and stands right in front of you? You can feel the presence of that individual. Do you understand? That's, that's, that's that often, not every time, but that's often how it is with me. That's how it was right there. He was standing real close to me, real close. I could almost feel his breath. And, 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 and I know that's happened so many times. I know that's the angel. I, I did open my eyes for a second to see if it was Taylor, the ninja. But Taylor was still sitting there, so I know that must be the angel. Praise God. And, I heard, and then I said, Lord, what, in my mind, I said, Lord, what's the, what, what, what? and then there was more. I said, Lord, what are they here for? They, he said, send them out. They're here to fulfill and cause to come to pass what you said. Amen. Praise God for the Holy Ghost. So we're going to say those five things over us, and we're going to say those five things over our kids. And you're going to write them out for, for my family, for my children. You're going to write all five. And you've got five fingers, and you're not going to miss one of the fingers. You're not going to miss one of the things. You've got ten things to say and ten things to believe. And I want you to do it uh, as long as you feel the Holy Ghost prompts you to do it. But he'll probably prompt you to do it more than just tomorrow. Because we're in a season where we need to say this on a regular basis. Hallelujah. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus.